podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Three, two, one, go. Hello and uh, welcome back to the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast. And uh, yeah, week on week, I keep you know having a little think before we record these podcasts of what I'm going to say in the introduction. But um, I'm sure you can understand week on week, it just feels a little bit harder, a little bit more difficult to find the words exactly on on what to, to say and explain just what on earth has happened in, in the last week since we were last with you. But look, I um, appreciate once again, everyone tuning in and, and listening. Um, delighted to say we have got Jack. We have got Rick. Jordan's going to join us um, quite soon, actually. And delighted to say we're, we're joined by BBC Leicester's well and only Owen Palmer-Atkin as well. So uh, very much looking forward to, I say that, <laughs> I'm looking forward to having a chat with the lads. But of course, you know, the topic of today's podcast isn't a great one. Um, losing my favourite game, the lyrics there of, of that song to intro to, to get things going today, um, which was, I'm not sure how deliberately or accidentally played at halftime last night at the King Power Stadium. But look, it was a 3-0 defeat to Liverpool. And for me, and I think for, for probably pretty much everyone, just about um, Seals Leicester's relegation to the Championship. Of course, it's not completely over, but to say it's bleak, um, I think is a, a fair assessment. But look, um, we're going to go straight to, to Owen um, this evening uh, and say hello to you. Uh, mate, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Very much appreciate it. Um, how are you? Are you all right? <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for having me. Um, y- you know what? Yes, I'm fine. Other than the football, I think that's probably everyone's initial response, isn't it? That it's just just feels like it's engulfing your whole life at the minute. Um, and uh, and as you rightly say, it's bleak. But um, but hopefully this will this will act as a bit of therapy, maybe for the next hour or so. Yeah, well, apparently, you know, that does help for, for lots of people who do listen to this. That's what we're, that's what we're told. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll ask you about that because, you know, for you and I working in the media, I have to say, I've said this before, that when I do the podcasts and kind of during the week when I'm not at work, I do find it particularly draining, you know, when Leicester are playing like they are because I'm having to talk about it all day at work. Um, and then when you come to do these podcasts, you obviously want to do it because I know that people appreciate it. But also sometimes I'm thinking, God, done this all day I don't I don't want to do it anymore um what is it like for you like generally when you're commentating on these games and you're going along to the press conferences you know as a Leicester fan what you are when when you can always see what's happening in front of you but it's so so difficult to um I mean how, I don't know how difficult it is for you to to remain professional I'm sure actually a lot easier for you than it is probably for, for some of us lads but do you know what I mean how difficult is that when you can see what's happening and it must be so painful for you but you've got to keep doing it day in day out yeah, no, it is painful. I was, I was speaking to someone at the game last night and I was saying, look, that yes, my job is following Leicester up and down the country and attending the press conferences and doing all of that. But 
you know, at my heart, I'm a I'm a Leicester fan, and it it pains me to see where, what what's happening this season. And um, yeah, it, it, <laughs> I mean, having having your everyday life completely surrounded by by <laughs> Leicester City is 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 not fun at the moment. If I'm honest, you know, you you wake up on a Monday and you're in at work and you're talking about the game, and then you're back in the next day and you're talking about the game and you're looking forward to the next game and then you're planning all these different things to kind of do and guess for the programme, looking at when the press conferences are, knowing that you're speaking to Dean Smith, the next game coming, and it's just like a continuous cycle. And it's, you know, when when it's like this, it's it's very tiring. But when Leicester had won, you know, six in a row or whatever it was just before the World Cup, it's great and you feel like you could do it every week. And it is a, it, it, it is difficult. It is difficult, I have to admit. And, um, I think we all feel a bit tired, really, at the end of this season. It feels like it's been a long, a long yeah. season, and uh, just the, the fact that it's only two games away from finishing, one way or another, I think it's a bit of a relief, really. Yeah, no, personally, I won't lie. I'm I'm ready for it all to be over. Um, I know that's quite a sad thing to say, and, and and some people may get annoyed by me saying that, but that is generally how I feel. Um, look, Owen, um, we're so used to hearing you um, on BBC Radio Leicester, and what a wonderful and professional job that you do. Um, now, of course, here on this podcast, we have the luxury of not being uh, wonderfully professional um, and like to kind of really let off some steam at times. And um, Are we going to have some, some potty mouth Palmer Atkin today? Are we going to have some swear words? Are we going to remain, remain well, professional? Well, I'll, <laughs> You're allowed uh, to, I'll... mate. You're allowed to. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll let the emotions <laughs> flow and whether I deviate down a Ric Flair path or a Jake Watson path, we'll have to wait and see. Hey, don't you dare put me in the same category as Ric Flair. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> good evening, mate. How are you? You good? Um, no, I'm not good, mate. I'm, I've got arsehole Sunday night. Same again yesterday. I was in London with work. So I obviously went to the pub, went to the stag to watch that debacle last night and ended up drinking again. And as I said to you on the text, I've had three kebabs in two nights, which is just disgusting. I've had more kebabs than there's been days. I feel like I've been bitten by a pig. Um, <laughs> but the football, it just it goes from one extreme to the other, doesn't it? Uh, and I, No, no, that's the wrong term. It's continuously shit. Um, but, yeah, I, I've been reminiscing about you know, it's been 15 years or whatever since we last got relegated. And I do feel like every single football fan should face relegation at some point because it's a great leveller um, to bring you back down to earth and make you realise how much football means to you because it's horrible. But, you know, I, I remember as a kid, I bricked a wasp's nest and <laughs> I must have got stung about 25 times all up my shorts and my undercrackers. It was horrible. I cried for about a week, and yet last night, I reckon I enjoyed that more getting stung than than watching that last night because it was just hideous. First fifteen minutes, oh, you know, a bit of pressing, bit of um, impetus, and then we just fell apart. And our our ability to play the opposition on side all the while, whether it's Castagna who's just a masterclass at doing it, Johnny Evans did the splits to play Curtis Jones on that second one, defies science. Just yeah, just done with it. As you say, get the season done and pass me some form of narcotics or something to numb the pain. 
Oh dear, mate. Wow. Uh, and I have to know what I've been meaning to, to to actually look at the the numbers in terms of you talk about relegation. You know, in the years that I've been on this planet, how many relegations I've seen, how many promotions and then trophies? Because you know, every fan will, will probably say it that there's kind of nothing quite like supporting their team. But I, I know Jordan said it that he, he thinks pound for pound we must be for entertainment or in terms of you know talking points the most entertaining football team in, in in the country we certainly can't be far off we never just have a normal season um jack how are you mate and uh, have you got them numbers do you know well, do you know times, roughly yeah i think it's five times i've seen us get ready well I, i'm including this one i think yeah so you've yeah. got league one and then you've got three premier league relegation and then this will be the fourth so okay my dad was telling me he's seen it eight or nine times or something. So it it happens, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. But anyway, to go back to to go back to your question, um, I'm not great, mate. Um, I obviously went to the game last night. I uh, I don't know whether I'm ashamed to admit this or not. I left at half time, which mm. I've never done. Uh, but I, I I was just like, I'm I, I'm I can't I can't deal with this. And I gave you stick earlier in the season. Hilariously, as as I was trying to get out, so I step yeah. out the gate. The woman behind me goes, "Oh, you do realise you can't come back in if you leave now?" I was like, "I know." What are you trying to do? Don't let me back in. Um, yeah. And uh, hey, uh, I've had to spend my entire day in West Bridgeford, so it was a hugely triggering experience for me having to be in Nottingham today because you know how much um, I love. <laughs> Being the city of my birth. Um, so, so, no, it's not been good. Although, I have to say, just, you know, five minutes with Rick Blair and, you know, you realise that someone has gone through more agony than you have. So, uh, it's therapy, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's funny you bring up me leaving uh, Spurs after, I think it was actually 25 minutes. Yeah, because we, we'd gone 2-0 down and then I think we went back to 2-2. Oh, no, no. we it, it was it was two nil, um, and then I thought I'm going to go back in the concourse and have a pint because I wasn't obviously enjoying it. And then as I'm walking down back into to get a pint, I hear a cheer. So it's gone. No, it was two one. Sorry. So as I'm walking yeah, back, yeah, Yuri scored early, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going back down the concourse to have a pint. I hear a cheer. So Spurs have scored three one. I'm thinking, you know by this stage of the season, we've been battered every week. You know how this is ending already. So I think I'm going to have my pint and then make a decision on what I want to do. So I have my pint and then think, you know what? Yeah, it was my mate's birthday. He was in London, already at the pub, kind of waiting for me, thinking, you know what? I'm just going to go. So as I then walked out of the stadium, <laughs> Leicester scored. And I didn't realise that that actually made it to all because I didn't realise that, that third one had been disallowed and it was only 2-1 and I tried to get back into the stadium but they wouldn't let me back into the stadium. Um, but of course, um, in my mind, I was justified by my decision the fact that we did go on and, and lose 6-2. And it is interesting because at the time, I tweeted saying um, that, I'd, that I'd done it and that, you know, and, and loads of our Leicester fans actually had done the same. I wasn't the only one and loads were in the concourse at the time drinking pints and we were all saying the same thing that they downed tools, they didn't want to play for the manager anymore, they weren't trying, and it was awful to watch. And it was at that point, wasn't it, where we all thought that Brendan was going to lose his job. And ultimately, he didn't. And we had, an, an, obviously, a number of these moments over the course of the season where we thought something was going to happen, and it never quite did. 
But now, in, in, in hindsight, as we sit here, in the situation that we're now in, in terms of relegation, all but sealed, for me, that was the moment. And I, I now feel very comfortable with the fact that I said that at the time. And I wish I hadn't actually deleted the tweet saying so, because I kind of bottled it a little bit. Yeah, because, yeah, bottled it. Because the performance actually wasn't that bad, was it, on the day? I think we, we were, and it feels incredibly remarkable to say, unlucky to lose 6-2. But anyway, that was the moment, wasn't it, now in hindsight, where we should, the club should have acted and, and didn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Owen, coming back to, to you, mate, in, in terms of the season itself, we're kind of just trying to pick it apart. You know, did you feel similar in terms of the reason why we're at where we are is because of a lack of action from from the top of the club yeah. in terms of you know whether it be a lack of action in the summer in terms of signings that they made, um, and then as the season then started, as I just kind of alluded to that that terrible start where you feel like ordinarily at any other club that the manager would have lost his job, but but Brendan didn't, and it, it, for me it just feels that this could have all been avoided if they'd just done stuff ten months ago, twelve months ago. Yeah, I mean, I think because that Spurs game, I, I, if I remember rightly, came just before an international break, uh, and I and I remember being on the kind of overground tube, leaving the stadium with with pipes and Jack, and we were kind of discussing how badly it had gone in the the opening couple of months of the season, and whether the fact that there was an international break, whether this may or may not be the time that the club decide to to move things along, but I think. I think if you, you look at the, the, the games that followed that and that win over Forest and then the results that kind of came just after the international break, actually um, heading into the World Cup break, Leicester are in a really good position. I think Danny Ward was level for the Golden Glove at that stage as well, which at this stage just feels absolutely ridiculous when we're all talking about how bad Leicester have been defensively. But in that stage, you know, they, they were they were OK and they were sitting in a... They, in, in what we knew by that stage was going to be a difficult season. They were sat in a relatively comfortable position. And then it's when they come back after the World Cup break and the form has fell off a cliff again. That, that, that for me, was a very, very big warning sign that, that Leicester were going were gonna to struggle and that they needed to pick up one or two wins very quickly to rejig that form. They just, they just didn't. And... You kind of meander through January without any new signings um, and eventually get Christiansen, Suter and Tete through the door. And there, I think, I think when, when we look back on this at the end of the season, we'll be able to pick out big moments throughout the campaign where there were missed, missed opportunities. And we were I was talking on the podcast that we do at Radio Leicester the other day, and I think one of those huge opportunities that that were missed were those back-to-back games against Bournemouth and Aston Villa. Yeah. At home, with Brendan Rodgers just leaving the club, and they pick up no points from those two games. They give relegation rivals a way out of that nine-team league that had formed at the bottom of the table, and they leave themselves in a mess. And then just before that, you've got the Palace game, where Brendan obviously left the day after. Um, and that was off the back of a of an international break. And if the only cause for dropping, if the only cause for the manager to be moved on or by mutual consent was the fact that they dropped into the relegation zone, then that feels like a strange bit of criteria for me because it was a nine team league and anyone and anyone could. And I, I I really hope it's not the case because we all talk about how you know Leicester have been the blueprint for so many clubs and I think Brighton have followed that blueprint gone in a slightly different way and now we're reaping the rewards for it but it, it, there is a there is an element of the the club feeling like 
the will be fine mindset. And it seems to have sunk all the way through. And and now they now they find themselves in a really dire position where they're going to, looks like they're going to get relegated and uh, could lose two thirds of their their annual income, which will leave the club in a in a financial financial battle as well as a battle to get back in the Premier League. So I think there's been so many massive moments in the game in the, in the whole of the season that that have pointed towards this in one way or another, and uh, it only feels like now that that oh, the dog's barking. Um, <laughs> now that, uh, that even he's getting angry at this. Um, that, that they're realising it. Yeah. Um... Rick, on on last night, let's let's talk about Liverpool um, and that, I suppose, lack of performance really, wasn't it? I mean, fortunately, I suppose, I'd very much resigned myself to, to relegation before last night and I didn't expect to get anything from that game. But you'd like to think that the players wouldn't quite be thinking that same way. Um, I thought the performance last night against Liverpool was, was absolutely dreadful. I really do think it was. And I can completely understand why Jack left what he did. And I, I could see, as I was just watching from home last night, but the, the stadium was pretty much empty with, with 20, 20 or so minutes to go last night because the players were giving nothing to the, to the fans to, to suggest or really give any reason to, to stay there and, and get behind them. The moment that Leicester conceded last night to go 1-0 behind the, the team just once again capitulated. I think it's now 21 games without a clean sheet. No team in Europe has, has got a, a record as bad as that. I think in the last 19 games, Leicester have gone behind first in, in, in 18 of those. I mean, we can talk for hours, mate, and I can start going through some of the players as, as well. But, I mean, I just thought that the, the lack of effort, desire, intensity and any real kind of showing from a team that, you know, actually at 2-0 down, you're fighting for your lives. You're only two points adrift of safety. That, to me, didn't look like a team fighting for their lives whatsoever. I totally agree. Um, I mean, I, I think I've said this before. There's no manual for the way that um, clubs deal with a relegation battle and ultimately succumb. But we are definitely not doing what you would expect uh, a team to be in a relegation battle. You want to see some fight, don't you? And we've got none whatsoever. We're, you know, it's not even with one arm tied behind our back trying to fight. It's like both arms, legs, head inserted up our own Harris's. We're just completely gone. Uh, I mean, last night's performance, I'm beyond angry. I mean, I don't want to trivialise death, but this very much feels like you're witnessing a loved one who's about to die and the cause of death's a stub toe. You know, we this could have been prevented a long time ago. And yet it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. There's nothing. I just... Last night's performance... I mean, Johnny Evans, what was that? Yeah. What was that? I'd rather him have just pretended he got another ailment or, you know... Can we talk about his interview after the game as well? Yeah, well, I didn't I hear it. That. What did he yeah. say? If they basically they, they put that same level of effort in for the next two games, well, well, basically they're going to put in the same level of effort for the next two games. That's all they can do. Well, I mean, he's right because that will be the level of effort they put in because we've seen scant evidence of anything different. But um, you don't say that. 
No, but he just, thinks he thinks that that was that them putting an effort, Rick. He, he hasn't said that yeah. to be, um, you know, provocative. He generally thinks that they tried and they they thought that they showed the fans that they cared last night. That's what they thought they did. I mean, he had a very he just had a very, he just looked dazed the whole evening. He was just sort of like waddling about, like I don't he, know. Um, he, this is probably the one insight of on the game I can give. When uh, Baddison put a free kick over early doors, and he sort of stretched for it, yeah. and yeah. then uh, and then he sort of jogged back to the halfway line. I was like, I thought he was worried injured. about, yeah, he worried about his hamstring, and he was yeah. stretching it. He's he's broken. He's completely he's broken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll probably give him a five year contract when we're in the championship to lead us back up, but he is done, isn't he? Yeah, and well, we've spoke we've spoken about Johnny Evans though previously that you know it is quite bizarre that he is the club captain. It, it is because you haven't felt like we've had a club captain all of this season. Now I know he's been injured, but you just can't help but feel if you, if you think of times gone by with previous teams and previous club captains. Say for instance, if Casper Schmeichel was, was still at the club and he was out injured. Do you not think over the course of the last six months you would have heard and seen more of Casper Schmeichel? than what you've seen of Johnny Evans. There's not a doubt in my mind you would have seen that. It just seems that Johnny Evans is the club captain because he's the most senior professional at the football club. And that's kind of the, the start and end of his, his leadership qualities. I mean, there's no doubt at one point he was an outstanding central defender and I, I won't take that away from him. But he, you just you see so little from him. And... You know, physically, with all the injuries that he has had, I'm amazed that he played last night. I'm amazed that we've seen him play again. Um, because, you again, you, you never really quite know, but you've got a fairly decent indication if he hasn't played for all that time, just to throw him in and start a game against um, Liverpool um, is, is a huge ask to, 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 to ask of somebody whose body clearly isn't really kind of up to it anymore. And, you know, when you've got Harry Souter sat there on the bench, and I know we'll probably talk about that, very, very short. And you've got Valt Fez, who for me has been dreadful for, for the last couple of games. The moment I saw that starting lineup yesterday against Liverpool, I just thought, there's not a chance in hell we're getting a clean sheet here. And knowing full well that, uh, you know, against a team like Liverpool who are playing as well as what they are right now, you just felt completely, you know, bereft of, I mean, whatever confidence you may have had anyway. It just, for me, um, Jack, it disappears the moment I saw that starting lineup last night. It didn't look a very good starting lineup, did it? But um, I mean, to be to be fair to Smith, the one time he's played a, a starting lineup that we've all gone, "What on earth is he doing?" Um, we won. So uh, I think Rick said before the game, "I want him to do a completely chaotic lineup." I mean, it, for me, in the first half, it almost looked like we were playing six defenders and four attackers that, that we didn't look like we had a midfield, just the, the gap between the two of them. And um, it, it didn't look very coherent tactically. And, and, and for me, I, I don't want to go back to Brendan. Everyone knows that I'm a Brendan fan, but at least when we watched the Brendan team, we had a coherent plan and it looked like we were trying to play some kind of football. Whereas it's, I, I don't know what we're, what we're trying to do. Uh, in, in in terms of a plan currently, and it's it, yeah, it, it it's just it was horrible to watch. Hence, hence why I left. Well, I think if just building on that, Jack, I think um, I think we, there's there's no doubt in that that tactically, you know, Brendan was a was an astute coach, 
and tactically thought very deeply about the game. I mean, it was it was, it was very interesting in press conference, particularly in the in the first maybe two or three seasons when you were kind of understanding the, the tactical side of it and what what he wanted his game plan to be. And we didn't always see it, but he stuck by the, the fact that that's what he wanted and sometimes he didn't have the players or whatever reasons it was. But um, he knew how he wanted his his side to play and was pretty open about that in the media. But we don't, we don't seem to get that as much from Dean Smith other, other, than, other than him wanting to, to not play on the counter-attack in home games. And um, it, Pipes talked about this last night during commentary. He, he asked, you know, what what is the kind of style? What is the kind of game plan here? Because he he was saying that he didn't he couldn't see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't see it at all. It at li- and, and and for me, I, I watched. Um, so you watch Forest play and their style. The same with Everton. Their style is turgid, but at least they have a game plan, right? They have a long throw. They're going to get balls in the box. Like it's really obvious what they're trying to do. I've got no idea what he's trying to do at the moment. He seems to want to pick quite a lot of tall players, but none of them are very good at heading. And it's not as if we're we've got people that cross the ball either. So it it, it doesn't make any sense to me. You back with us, Jake? No. Yes, I am. Sorry, I just thought I'd just let Owen, you know present a lot better than me seamless um, seamless <laughs> yeah so i'm having a few technical problems so thank you for carrying on without me uh jordan has now joined us um jordan whereabouts are you mate uh, i'm currently outside holmes park mate it's half time in the senior cup final ashby ivanhoe won look with athletic nil you can see from my jumper in the garish green are you Hopefully playing no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's our first team are playing um your hair looks very great. slick. It does. Yeah, slick Rick. Um, Look like the games are out of shameless. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> you, you, you said I was good looking 24 hours ago. Hey, you still are, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but mate, look, thanks for thanks for joining us. This is like a radio lesson, is it? Live update from some local sport. I mean, what what is the score, mate? Yeah, yeah, we're losing one nil keeper error, which is a bit contentious because the managers dropped the normal keeper. Don't actually know who our keeper is, and uh, the lad's had Dan- a shot. Is it Danny Ward? It's not Danny Ward. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be more than one nil if it was. I think Danny Ward would have struggled to save it as well. Um, but apparently, Ashby are going for a treble. Um, they won the no, they no, that's not true. They they got promoted, won the league cup, and they're going for the senior cup now. So they've had a good season, but we, we've not created enough. There's still 45 to go, so stay positive. How long? How long can you, you join us for? By the way, is it just is this a flying visit? Oh, as long as you want, mate. I'm here for a good time, not a long time, as Rick <laughs> normally says. All right, then, mate. Well, look, we've not got your thoughts then of, of Liverpool last night. Um, go for it. <laughs> what did you think of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the in, noise, in, isn't it? In terms of the the actual performance, I thought we started. Okay, I wouldn't go as far to say we started quite well because I can't really remember us creating a, an awful lot. But after 20 minutes, we just reverted to type and just sat off, um, gave them a lot of the ball. I, mean, I think it says all you need to know that Curtis Jones has got two. I mean, he, he's never been a player, um, especially not for Liverpool anyway. Um, the first goal, I'm sure you've been through it, is, is, just, is just playground stuff. Um, I don't know why Wes... Uh, well, Wout Fez is facing the wrong way. He's facing his own goal when he's trying to head it. I, I, 
It's mm. just crazy. Um, the second goal after me, I was in the concourse, and I've got I've got a shout out Connor who let me know it was two 0 because I was saying for uh, <laughs> about ten minutes to him, I said if we can keep it one 0 mate, we're in the game. And he goes, you do know it's two 0 don't you? <laughs> um, I, 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 I later found out that the, the replay they initially showed was the wrong one, and then they showed a different one, and it was off. It was onside, and that just killed the game. And then I, I think Salah could have made it three, couldn't he? Um, second half, we were just a disgrace to the shirt, to be honest. Um, you know, you look at teams down there that are fighting for their lives. Leeds showed it against Newcastle. Jack covered it briefly there while I was on. But Everton and Forest are fighting for their lives. Um, and as Rob Tenner mentioned his article this uh, earlier this morning, there's a sign above the tunnel that says Foxes never quit. And it couldn't be more ironic because other than other than Vardy, who we wouldn't shift anyway on those wages and at his age. I don't think he'd particularly want to go, but the rest of them can go and good riddance to them because I don't remember a Leicester City team in my lifetime, even the Peter Taylor teams that were, uh, the Peter Taylor team that was poor, you know, team that went down to League One under Holloway. I've never seen a group of players down tools in this manner. Um, they don't care about the, the, the shirt. They don't care about the club. All they're bothered about is where the next pay packet's coming from. And the sad reality of football is they know um, that they could well be playing in European competition next season. And it, it really is sickening. So I'm on board with the fact that we're going down, cleanse the club from top to bottom, um, particularly the playing staff, and, and start again. Um, I thought it was a wretched performance. And again, I've gone from saying, I don't think we're going to get a point now. I don't think we're going to score. It didn't look like scoring. And that was the one thing I was holding on to for... 30 games or, or maybe you know 25 30 games that we create enough chances to score and we don't anymore we're just utter fodder yeah no we are and um rick i actually tweeted this earlier about leicester's imminent relegation because we've kind of alluded to the fact that we we've seen this before in terms of relegation but this time it does feel different because you know you talk about peter taylor like the mickey adams team I mean, the reality was we were where we were because that's how good the squad was. This this squad is where it's at because of some serious mismanagement at pretty much every level of of this football club. Um, and I think if you look at years gone by when a big team has been relegated, and I'm and, and I'm thinking, and, and correct me if you if I'm missing anybody out here, the, the Leeds team, um, the Aston Villa side, and, and Newcastle. I think probably the three biggest to to have gone down. I think that this is the the biggest shock or the the kind of the the biggest story out of all of them because this team um is, I think it's I mean it's roughly you, you're never quite sure because you haven't got the latest accounts whether it's seventh or eighth highest wage bill in the in the Premier League you know it's an almost identical squad to the one that won the FA Cup just a couple of years ago you know this is a Premier League winning team from from seven seasons ago you know filled top to bottom with with international footballers. I mean, you can even talk about Brendan Rodgers at the start of the season, one of the highest paid managers in the league. For this team to have got relegated is a massive story. And I find it almost bizarre that, that the media, it's only really now they're talking about it. And I'm talking about national media. It feels that, you know, we spent months of them telling us that we're going to be okay. And now suddenly it's like, oh, you're gone, you're down. It's like, yeah, did you, you missed that middle bit where everyone was telling you that we're bang in trouble. You know, that Newcastle team was in trouble for a couple of seasons and it was yeah. kind of coming. Leeds had a points deduction and administration. So again, it wasn't a huge surprise. And Villa had flirted down there for a couple of seasons. This Leicester team, since it's been back in the Premier League other than that first season, 
has not been anywhere near relegation and shouldn't be anywhere near relegation. This is the biggest mismanagement and biggest shock as far as relegation goes, in my mind, in Premier League history. Absolutely. I mean, what you just said there, usually teams that go down, they've started to struggle and, and manage to stay up for a year at least, maybe a few more. Look at Everton. If they drop this season or next season, you wouldn't be surprised. But at least they've had a couple of cracks at, at you know, showing some fight and, and staying up. We've just gone from what we classed as what felt like a decline of sorts last season, even though we did have a good run towards the end of the season and got eighth quite easily could have been 14th, 15th last season if we hadn't done, because it was quite tight. But, you know, three or four wins out of the last five, uh, it still felt a bit of a scrappy season up and down. But to go from eighth um, and fifth two seasons before that, okay, there has been, there's been significant weaknesses in losing certain players, but it is still largely the same squad. And I don't, I, I can't, I know it's hard to agree that the, what we're witnessing here, that that squad is good enough to stay up. But it is. It's just hard to accept that. And so this is, it's just, it's just horrible. Um, I can't remember the point I was going to make there about, um, about, I mean, West Ham, they had, I think they were also a, another club that they went down on 42 points or something. But yeah, I, where do you even begin on, on, on where it's gone wrong. I, my, there's, there's so many things. I think Jack's probably got a point here. He wants to come well, in on. It just went wrong in the summer, right? Because whatever we were doing didn't work. And it, it, I, I, I'm still speechless that we went into the summer with a manager saying one thing about needing new players, which he was absolutely bang on right about. Yet we did absolutely nothing. Like the approach in the summer was beyond naive. And and that's what's killed us because moment. I, I've said this a few times. Momentum in football, once you lose it, it's really really hard. You've lost the manager. You've lost half the players because the manager decided to throw most of the players under the bus at the same time. You've not got any new players to bring in, and then one of your best players tries to leave. The other ones probably flirt. Like Madison was probably flirting with bigger clubs as well. So you've lost half of them, and then you let your captain go. And as someone said to me, Danny Ward will be fine. I mean there's a real theme about people saying things will be fine and them not being fine, but yeah. that you, you can't have a summer like this. And it, it frustrates me so much because we were all saying it at the time. And if it's, if it was about money, well, you've just lost way more money than whatever money you saved in the summer and you'll lose way more because uh, you, half your players are leaving on freeze. Madison, will we get more than 40 million for him now? Barnes, will we get more than 30 million for him now? probably would have got 60 for them both if we were still in the Prem. And, yeah. you know, indeedy, shadow of a player. I mean, I joked last night that my dog is now named after Boris Johnson's son, which says everything you need yeah. to know about that. It the, That summer killed us. And Brendan was telling people at the time, now, I, we're going over old ground, but you either sack the manager at that point or you go and sign a load of new players. You And then you play catch-up. And then you go into January and you sign two players in the last week none of whom are any good. Like That's where it's killed us. It's not about the manager. And the fact that Smith's come in and he's saying in an interview, um, what did he say? What were his words? It was like, it'll be a real achievement if I keep this squad of players up. Don't say that in public. <laughs> yeah. Um, Owen, having spoken to, to Dean, 
obviously a fair amount now. You've got to know him probably fairly well. Was it we had six games now when he first came in? And I, I'm I'm not going to be too critical of, of Dean Smith here because I I think it's quite clear he inherited a a sinking ship and and for people who are unawares of this i've got lots of stats today that any premier league club who's made a managerial change after the month of, of march you know when they were in a relegation battle no team has ever survived you know history suggests that if you're leaving it that late the damage is already done and um you know i i i, I do like dean um i think there's lots to like about him but i do think that now over the course of the six games he's been found tactically wanting and I thought it was quite interesting hearing him before the Liverpool game that 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 bouncy positive guy. It almost like we kind of drummed out that positivity out of him, and he was he was already talking about as as Jack mentions. You know, if I manage to keep Leicester up, it's like, come on, Dean, where? Were you? Do you know what I mean? It just seemed like there was a little change in the way he was talking ahead of that Liverpool game, probably because of what he witnessed against Fulham. Um, what's it been like speaking to him, and what what do you make of what he said, and maybe how he's changed over the course of the couple of months he's been here? Um, well, when, well, f- firstly, what I will say is just backing up what uh, what you guys were saying about the the relegation battle. This would be the most expensive uh, and, and most costly side to ever be relegated, with the highest ever wage bill to ever be relegated as well, which just shows you the the levels that they're, that they're working with. Um, and you're quite right to put your hand on your forehead, Jake, and. <laughs> pull back that beautiful hair in the in the frustration because it, it is but I think you know you Dean Smith was brought in and we all know I think we all knew at the time what his qualities were and and what this team needed and what this team needed wasn't you know to to be coached and to be improved in in sort of technical aspects they just needed their confidence and their belief being picked back up and that if they were able to do that I mean you look at the systems used by by Brendan and Dean Smith, they're very, very similar, the, the 4-3-3, the 4-2-3-1. And what you got from Dean Smith in the press conferences when, when we had the chance to sit down with him was the fact that he wanted to for him, Craig Shakespeare, John Terry, to come in and, and really boost the belief. And he said that himself. I, I just think that when, you, like you say, Jake, you know, when you're making a change that late, with eight games to play was when Dean Smith walked through the door. And yes, there were, there were winnable games in there. But if you, if you, if you can't get that, that team working, running, showing the character, showing that desire for games like Leeds away and for games like Everton at home where, you know, they, they, they could have won those games. They had the quality to win those games, particularly Everton, and then just failed to show up for, for large majorities of it. You wonder where where that motivation is going to come. And then the players look round and they think, well, and as you've already alluded to, and as lots of people will allude to as well, that the contract situation, you know, we, we can we can only speculate, but it doesn't look like it's helping things because Yuri Tillemans doesn't look anywhere near the player that we know he's capable of and was, in, in my view, was terrible last night against, uh, against Liverpool. And t- that was two years to the day since he lit up Wembley. Like we're talking about a completely different player, but the same bloke all in the same sentence. And the 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 but Dean Smith, going back to your question, I know I've kind of wandered off on a tangent there, but Dean Smith, I think, he's a good guy. Um, you can you can tell that, and he's very respectful and polite. Um, but I I wonder whether he thought that it was better than what it was when he arrived. Um, he said in his first press conference after he watched the Bournemouth game, he was a bit 50-50 as to whether he was coming. He said it in yeah. jest and it was a joke and everyone in the media room laughed because it, it was funny. Um, 
but actually when you when you when you look I wonder whether he looks back on it now and actually thinks <laughs> should, I, should I or or should I just have left Jesse Marsh to to come in and, and wonder about but yeah it's it's a really difficult one because I mean depends who you talk to I mean Villa fans still love him Norwich yeah. fans hate him Brentford fans and Warsaw fans think he's okay so that there's there is a reputation there of a of a half decent manager but I, I just went wonder whether this was just too late whether this whether this ship was already gone yeah, no, I, I suspect it will. And I've mentioned the national media already. That, you know, people are now starting to talk about it. And I've seen, you know, lots of criticism towards the players, rightly so. Um, lots of criticism towards Brendan Rodgers, again, rightly so. But but one thing that's been clearly missing in terms of the criticism that, that all of us pick up on is the lack of criticism towards the ownership and, and the board. Um, have you as a, a radio station asked to, to speak to people like John Rudkin or, or even the owner to, to kind of get answers and get interviews? And, and if so, what, what's been said back? We, I uh, personally asked the football club earlier this season whether um, someone from board level, someone like John Rudkin or Susan Whelan or, or Andrew Neville, you know, the guys who mainly look after the, the football inside of the business rather than people like the the, I don't know, the director of strategy or something or or, or marketing. But um, I asked the club whether they would like to come on and and kind of set the record straight. I believe it was uh, shortly after the, the defeat away to Nottingham Forest when the banners started coming out asking for action from the board. And uh, the club declined politely um, the opportunity to come on. Um, but it is, uh, it is definitely something that we'll be continuing to to ask the question because I think I think it's right you know that because the the you know there aren't Dean Smith can't really comment on on you know the running of the club he's he's spoken openly about not really actually knowing he's he's not even looked at the kind of contract situation at the, the players because he he wants to take them on a case by case basis and how that and how they feel and I think someone someone like Charles Soyuncu is one end of the spectrum and someone like Yuri Tillemans is the other end of, the, of, of that spectrum as to who wants it and who wants to to come in and fight, certainly on what we saw against Liverpool. Um, so, but yeah, that we, we'll continue to ask that question because I think, you know, fans deserve a level of answer as to as to why they think it's gone wrong um, more than anything. Because I, and I would be really interested to hear why people like John Rudkin and, and Susan Whelan believe this has gone wrong or, or where... They believe they they made the right decision or made the wrong decision, trying to understand the kind of running of the football club and what we've seen this season. Yeah, no, and I think you know they're they're unlikely anyway to do that during the season. It will be interesting to see at the end of the season if that that fate is sealed. If anyone from the club does actually come out, because I do think that the, the fans do deserve answers. I do genuinely. Um, Jordan, do we have an update from your game? Has there been a goal? There's been a goal, Jeff. Um... <laughs> Did you see it? Of course not. I mean, think some things don't change even at local football, Jake. Um, I think Smiggy, Jake Smith has equalised for Atho. There was a big roar behind the goal. <laughs> so, 1-1. One, one. Good. Up, up the Atho. Um, George, what I want to ask you is, because um, of course you were there last night, um, lots of people left. Um, and again, no problem with that. Can completely understand. I've done it myself plenty of times. Um, if you're not happy with what you're seeing, you paid your money, go do what you want. Um, but also lots of chants and, and and banners directed whether towards the board and, and, and the players. And a couple of people messaged me actually saying that 
they weren't happy with the almost sarcastic chance and booing towards um, the players, saying that they basically thought it was unhelpful. And, and again, I don't know this because I wasn't there, but apparently James Madison then kind of almost signaled towards the, the singing section, a sarcastic thumb up um, at the end. What did you see and, and what did you make of that? Because me and Jack were at Fulham and there was lots of sarcastic chants again that we've got the ball or we're singing about playing at Ipswich or, or Plymouth. Honestly, I found that funny and I'm absolutely OK with it, you know, because um, we're the ones that are actually going to have to go to Ipswich and Plymouth next season. Um, and if we're trying to find some kind of crumb of comfort and, and fun within the misery that is following this football club up and down the country, then we're well within our rights to do that. But what did you make of the atmosphere inside the King Power and, and some of those sarcastic chants aimed towards the players yesterday? Yeah, I think it's a difficult one because, like you say, you pay your money and you, you take your choice. Um, where I sort of stand on the sarcastic chanting, I, I thought it was funny at Fulham. I didn't think it was funny last night. I think the joke's worn off pretty quickly that we're going to be relegated playing Plymouth Argyle. I don't really find that that amusing anymore. Um, and it, it's... It angers me a little bit that, I mean, it, it should anger the players as much as it angers other people. Um, your own fans are literally taking the piss out of you at your home ground. Um, the booing, I think, to be honest, I don't think it, it's been enough. I think there needs to be more of it after the game, not during the game necessarily. But when you're 3-0 down after an hour in a game that you're supposed to be fighting for your life, I mean... Half the ground was empty. I mean, if we're down before West Ham, the attendance could be laughable. Um, and I thought I saw Madison signal towards the, the cop end. Um, there was a guy I spoke to after said he, he felt like it was directed at him because he was booing him. And I just think, again, we've been through this with Madison. Just wind your neck in, mate. Um, I, like, I like Madison as a player. I, I do understand the argument of, you know, we, we want players to speak out and not be media trained. But it, there's also, you've, you've got the other side of the coin where you've got to be aware of your situation. I mean, you, you know, you, you're clearly lining up another move. Like Owen mentioned Tielemans. There was a tweet from Romano earlier saying Tielemans is fully focused on, you know, keeping Leicester <laughs> City up. Where, but he, he's looking at his options in the summer. And you think, well, how can it's you... It's like his agent had written it. I mean, I, I, it's, if you look abroad... And I know it's the culture is never ever going to be the same. And Leicester's, I think our fans, by and large, are pretty pathetic, to be honest. Um, obviously, you've got a, a, a few, quite a few thousand hardcore element, but it, it's you know it's hardly the Bombonera to, to give an example. But they they wouldn't put up with what's going on at the football club in, in uh, abroad. Certainly, you've seen Milan the other week who lost to you know, last week. I think they lost That's to Spezia. Yeah. The, the the fucking fans, the players are going over to the fans and apologising and listening to what the fans are saying. And then the, the fans are there today at the training ground sending the players off. And it, it's like, you know, it's not brushed under the carpet, but it's like that's how that culture is. And if the fans yeah. aren't happy, that's who you answer to. And don't, you know, don't get it wrong. The players, when it comes to a football club, are the, at the bottom of the chain. The fans are at the top. And to be honest, I, I think, I mean, West Ham could be fascinating. Like I said, it could hardly be anyone there. There could just be booze ringing around, but I don't think it's vociferous enough. I think that, I think to be honest, it, I think we mentioned it last week. It's almost like we dared question what was going wrong, and the fans were were out of order for for questioning what was going wrong, and Rob Tanner was out of order for writing what he wrote, and 
it's, it's just a really sorry state of affairs. I think, you know, going back, I'm not going to go over the, whose fault is it, the board or the managers or whatever, but the players have got away with quite a lot, I think. Um, and, you know, none of them are going to be here next year. Um, you know, I'd take like the three lads that came through the academy as, as an example. That should be really hurting them. That, that should, mm. You know, this is a club that gave you your opportunity to play in, in the Premier League, play for your hometown club. All five of us on this phone call would do anything for that. And we're going down. And I mean, to have that as a player on your on your CV for a start, where's the professional pride that you sent? Like Owen said, the, the most expensively assembled squad with the highest wage bill down. Where's mm. the professional pride? I just don't see it. And I think they've got away with it. I, I think our fans have every right to make their feelings known. Yeah. Um, one interview we, we've not mentioned was the Harvey Barnes one. Um, and he spoke during the week. Um, I can see Jack smiling already. It'll be interesting to get your take on this, Jack. Um, but Harvey was talking about the fact that, you know, they obviously they were going to do all they could to, to, to try to keep Leicester up this season um, and was was hoping that you know, it would be a, almost like a bad way to leave um, if they did get relegated. And I couldn't help but just think, hang on, Harvey, you're not out of contract in the summer, mate. You've, you've still got time left on your deal. Who says you're leaving? You know, what What we would like to see here is Harvey to come out and say, look, I've got X amount of years on my contract. You know, I'd be heartbroken to see this club go down. You know, if the if the club want to keep me, I would do all my cat all I can to, to kind of bring it back to back to the Premier League. And I just thought it was like, and I know it was only a snippet of a kind of a, a longer part of the interview. And he was alluding to quite a few of the players who are out of contract but just within that I was just thinking and 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 I'm and I'm taking those quotes and also combining that with what I see from him on the football pitch as well and I don't see that hurt from him and I know he's a bit of an introvert isn't he Harvey anyway so you know I'm I'm conscious of being even more unfair on him because he has come in for quite a lot of criticism on this podcast and when you consider he is our our top goal scorer um, he is an incredibly interesting case and he has had so much airtime on this podcast. But I just thought that that's not what I want to hear from Harvey Barnes. And then you listened in contrast to Jamie Vardy's interview, you know, somebody who hasn't come through the youth system, but you could see how much Owen oh, that it was hurting Jamie Vardy. And I was watching Johnny Evans do his interview. I'm listening to Harvey Barnes and, you know, what Jack's just mentioned about their Yuri Tielemans, you know, it's no, it's it's no wonder whatsoever we are where we are when you've got so many players actively looking to leave the football club. And I think you can count on one hand probably the amount of people genuinely hurting and the amount of people who genuinely want to be here next season to try help things out. I think the likes of Harvey Barnes they want out and they want out as soon as they can. Well, uh, I've just checked. Harvey Barnes is under contract till twenty twenty five, so that would be not the end of next season, but the season after. So he's still got two years and a little bit left on his deal, um, which, is, which is interesting. I th- like, like you say, the, the context is, is key. I didn't hear the old, whole interview that Harvey Barnes did, mm. but that snippet that's taken and the quotes that are taken does, without context, allow you to, to look in a, in, a, in a slightly different way. The, the, the contract situation has been brought up all season, hasn't it? I, I do think there is, there's a serious problem there. The fact that there is eight out of contract this summer, if you include Tete, Whose loan will be up and will we'll head back to Shakhtar, followed by I think another, I think another seven 
the season Probably. after as well. Yeah. Um, you, you're talking about most of the squad who are who are out of contract over the next couple of years, and that's never indicative to 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 a side that wants to stay in the Premier League. But it's very interesting where I stand after after games and stuff. Uh, waiting for Dean Smith and uh, and then waiting to speak to players should they should they want to stop to me if I ask. Um, you, you do see, I mean, at, at Fulham is the, the probably the best the best description. It's uh, the, the kind of mix zone which is called is behind these big white gates next to the cottage within within ten yards of the cottage or so, and they open one of the gates and you see the players for a second or so, but on the ledge right next to the stairs. Yeah. Um, and Dewsbury Hall and Luke Thomas were stood there after the Fulham game. And both of those lads looked distraught. Kiernan was sat there, head in his hands. Luke looked looked like he wanted to be anywhere but but stood waiting for the rest of his teammates to to come out of the of the changing room. And they both looked genuinely heartbroken. Um the, uh, of what they'd seen and they were both subs who came on in that game and I remember yeah. Pipe saying in commentary and afterwards and in the in the shows that kind of followed that they're the sort of lads you've got to throw in the team now because they're the lads that it that it means most to um, and I think particularly Kiernan is is quite a emotional guy I think I think you see it on his face and he wears his heart on his sleeve and and but and Harvey Barnes isn't like that um, I don't think that anyone goes out and just consciously throws the towel in, but it's the subconscious that concerns me and the contracts running out at this season and next season and the uncertainty of Premier League football or championship football or whatever it is, is just really damaging right now. Yeah, I mean, just, just then quickly on some of them players then. Oh, are you surprised that then Dean has stayed so loyal to a certain number of those players? You know, the likes of Sumari and, and Tielemans, um, you know, and Valtfez, because they haven't played particularly well. And you've got someone like Harry Suits who actually came in and, and showed something, I thought. Um, Papi Mendy, I thought, was doing okay. You're talking about what it means to Keenan Dewsbury Hall. It seems very, very quickly Dean Smith made his mind up about players he, he liked and he didn't like, which is fine. All managers do that. But at the same time, um, Val, Boober and you know, God knows who else, they haven't exactly rewarded him with with any kind of level of performance, have they? You know, they haven't shown and indicated they care more than the other players. Um, I think that people like Jewsbury Hall and, and Suter, etc., because they're going to be here at the club next season, aren't they? It's surely going to mean more to them. I'm just surprised they haven't had any look in really at all. The the Kin and Dewsbury Hall one baffles me. He's not looking at all, what is he? Yeah, well, I I've said this all season, and people think it's because I've got a Shep Shed love for loving with him, and you know, <laughs> part of that is true. You know, I yeah. love the kid; he's a really nice guy. Um, but I also remain steadfast in the opinion that the moment you take Kean and Dewsbury Hall out of the midfield, the absolute backside of the whole midfield completely falls out and the engine of the team completely falls out. Yeah. Yes, yes, his on-the-ball technical ability needs a bit of help. Sometimes he does give the ball away looking for a pass that was maybe a little bit too adventurous. Sometimes his first touch lets him down. But at this stage of the season, I can forgive that for a lad that that runs and tackles and kicks people and does the dark arts and gets in the faces of of players like Jordan Henderson rather than letting them just take the time on the ball to spin and, and go. And someone who, if there is a, a last-ditch tackle or a last-ditch block that he's got to throw himself in, in for, knowing he's going to get a boot in the face, he would do it 
just like just like any of us would do it, really. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I I can't get my head around why why he's not been in the team. Um, and so that that one really that one really confuses me. Um, but as for the other players, I mean, clearly Dean Smith wanted Wout Fass and and Soyuncu to be the, the the aggressive central defensive partnership. Um, and you know, Johnny Evans was injured at the time. Daniel Amati um, just probably isn't at the level. Well, there's no probably about it. He's not. He's not a Premier League <laughs> starting. You know, if you want to bring him in four, five, six games a season, he'll do you a job, and and that's fine. But um, as a consistent Premier League starter, he, he he's probably not got the the quality there. And then Suter coming in in the summer, in, sorry, in in January and signing a big big old deal. You know, it's. It is interesting that that Dean Smith has looked at, at these at certain players and not looked at, at other players really. But one stat I would give to uh, to back up my Keenan Dewsbury Hall point is that before Dean Smith came in, every Premier League game that Leicester won this season, Dewsbury Hall started in. And I know he started in an awful lot of the uh, an awful lot of the the games that they lost as well. But the only game that they that they've won in the Premier League this season that he didn't start in was the Wolves game, and he came on at half time and changed it. And and that to me is 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 more than enough reason. Plus the running, plus everything else to stick him in. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I know others don't, but you know what he lacks in in other areas. He he brings so much more. Because the other people in those positions, that his qualities are the, are the things that those people lack, which I think is why he has always been incredibly important to us. More so that that maybe people realised that now are maybe starting to to slowly realise, but probably all a little bit too late. Uh, Rick, um, what did you make of that then as well? In terms of those 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 selections and the players that Dean's been really loyal to, I was flabbergasted when I saw that midfield um, lineup being the same as what it was for Fulham when you consider the absolute horror show that we had to watch you know and, and everyone it was clear to see to everyone that there was just no press in the central area of that pitch and then he went and played against Liverpool a team flying who are, are so good in those areas with the exact same midfield combination it for me was just um suicidal it's kamikaze yeah it was horrible to see um i know we haven't got that many options um owens just made some very good points about jewsbury hall i think okay his season this season's um not been quite as good as last uh some way off but he's the only one in our team that can press um and dean smith's team renowned for pressing so it's really surprised me that jewsbury hall hasn't been playing whether he's been carrying injuries i don't know i know he was out last night um but mendy I just don't see how Mendy's barely played under Smith because Samare's gone off the boil since he had a, he's you know played well against Wolves and Leeds, but since then he's been the Samari we've seen for over eighteen months now. And did he like last night? And did he just breathtaking? There was one bit before we'd even gone one nil down. Um, and you could see that the tide was turning. Our opening 10, 15 minutes where we, we seemed a bit more engaged, we, we were dropping off, and he just sauntered back. The ball just went past him, and he just wasn't busting a gut. Him and Samari both doing it, and Tielemans was even further behind because he just can't run. <laughs> um, it, it just... I, 
this is where I'm now getting frustrated with Smith because I was quite positive him coming in because what else could you be? We we were clinging on in the hope that he would at least evoke some form of improvement. But I don't think he's helped himself with the team selections. They've either been so wacky that it worked at Wolves or where you think, okay, there's logic in some of what you're doing there. You've not picked the right personnel in those systems. Uh, Sutar, for me, did nothing wrong under Rodgers. Um, and, you know, the one game I, I just couldn't comprehend why he didn't play was Everton. Uh, you know, he's, I think Suter's aerial dual percentage wins is 84%, the best in the league. I know it's only a short snapshot of, of game since he's come here, but that's evidently his strength. And against Everton, you know, Calvert-Lewin bullied fast. He was, Soyuncu still had a relatively good game against Everton within reason, but Fass had a horrible game. And why Suter didn't play there? He's just, he's not changed it enough for me in certain areas. And I know you, he might want a settled team where possible, but we're playing badly. So you've got to make those changes. So yeah, I, I was not happy with the what who he picked yesterday. And I don't know whether they are all injured from the ones that didn't play. It was hard to ascertain what had happened last night because he said in his press conference on Friday that there was no other injuries. So how we managed to get three injuries from Friday to Monday is is a new one for me. Even that I mean that Brendan um would be <laughs> would be proud of that under his um yeah. terrible record. But and yeah. I, I I do find with with Val, I think he is an incredibly difficult person to play alongside. I think if you're a good central defender, it's hard to look good playing against him. Um, even if Vout plays well, it's because he, he's just chaos. He just goes where he wants. And, you know, I, I put some screenshots in the, in the group chat the other day of some, some indications where, you know, Leicester play a line and it's quite a high line. But playing a line where it's deep or high only works if you're all playing the same line, where Vout is just a magnet to the ball and he gets drawn into midfield into areas where he doesn't need to be or he goes with runners he doesn't need to go with. And the amount of times that that has resulted in the, the, the defensive line just being all over the place, I mean, you know, it's becoming more and more apparent with each game that goes. And on indeed quickly, this was a Jordan Blackwell um, stat from from yesterday before last night. Um so this is what Jordan tweeted. He said, Indeedy, by the way, has not made a single tackle in his last three starts. There was only one Premier League game in the five seasons before this one where he'd failed to make a tackle. Um, and yeah, and I kind of quote tweeted that one as there has there been you know, a bigger drop off of any Leicester player than, than Wilfred Indeedy. When you consider there's been lots of players with huge drop offs. At one point, Wilfred Indeedy was genuinely one of the best disruptive defensive midfielders in the Premier League. Only N'Golo yeah. Kante um, kind of challenged him in terms of those tackles and interception stats in the Premier League. He was about a country mile, one of the best, if not the best in the Premier League. And now he's just a shadow of his former self. And I know I'm aware he came out of the team at one point with personal problems and we're not entirely sure of what they were or how much they have affected him. And I know he has had injuries and then Brendan made him play the centre half for a little bit. We don't know how much of a factor all of these things are. But it's just, it it baffles me. And I don't know who to blame, whether it is a Rogers thing, whether it's a personal thing. I really don't know. Um, Jack, you can pick up from that if you want. But I know you also want to mention as well the preseason tour, which we haven't announced, but the teams who we're playing have announced, uh, which is about a week before the, the championships. Oh, actually, it's less than a week before the championships. Yeah, they did announce it, Jake. Oh, they have? They've done it, have they? Yeah, okay. I dug very deep into the website. Very, it, very deep. It, it right. was announced at 4am 
in Singapore okay. or Thailand or whatever. Apparently. See, I thought they were going to, I thought that we had agreed to this months ago because they didn't think they were going to get relegated. But I would have thought that now See. in the current situation, they would have asked Spurs and Liverpool to maybe just hold fire a second. You might need some new opponents you, because we now might not be available for these games. You'd, you'd like to think. That, you'd yeah. think that, Jake, but <laughs> apparently Emil Heskey was out doing a launch for it. So, oh, brilliant. Uh, so full full steam ahead. Uh, six days before the start of the championship uh, championship season, and um, you know we're going to play on a Friday night. I mean, that's yeah, that's well, absolutely given, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if we don't play on a Friday night, I'll be surprised. Um, yeah. I mean, what I'll, do you I'll, say? I'll, I, I, I will. I will go back to that, but I just want to pick up on two points before I do that. So I think, firstly, I've been a really big critic of Dewsbury uh, Hall. I completely agree with everything you said. I think he has lots of deficiencies in his game. He runs more than anyone else. He really cares about the club. And and actually, maybe I've been a little bit harsher on him at times. He genuinely does care. He, um, I, I think it probably, it, he probably has taken this to heart. So, and he's one that I think playing in the championship for a year might do him the world of good. And, um, well, Fez, I wanted to draw a comparison, actually, with, with him as a defender when you describe him as chaos. The player that came to my mind was Ian Acho, in the sense that Ian Acho, one minute, does something <laughs> outrageously brilliant, followed by yeah. something unbelievably shit. And it's the same with Fez, except those are not qualities that you would look for in a centre-half. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a big difference there. <laughs> um, but that's sort of the player I, I see in... Um, and the point you made, it must be so hard to play against him because you have no idea what he's going to do next. Um, mm. I mean, he's, he looks a bit mad and he plays mad. And, you know, for six games, he looked unbelievable. And the Liverpool game, obviously, really not probably knocked his confidence. Again, seems like a good lad. Seems like he cares. Uh, whether he'll be here next season or not, I don't know. You question whether he, he'd really fancy that. And there does seem to be, a, well, there are reports that the Belgians are a bit of a click. So... Um, I don't. I don't want to dig him out too much, but he has. He's been absolutely woeful, and um, you know, I, I, I completely agree with what what Rick said about Suter. I like Suter. I would play Suter. He doesn't have a lot of pace. I think he's a better footballer than them and wins headers, and and that that counts for a lot. But um, yeah, to go back to the, the preseason tour, I don't want to dig the club out too much for this sort of thing because one of the challenges has been we don't make enough money commercially, which means we can't spend that much money. So on the one hand, I kind of applaud the fact that we're playing the game everyone else plays in the Premier League because we have to abide by financial fair play. At the same time, it sickens me to kind of say that because I kind of go back to the point earlier, the fans in the stadium do seem to be a minor inconvenience to sort of the running of the football club and the expansion of the club and commercial revenue abroad and and that sort of thing. I, I hate those things that are coming into the game. I think the timing's dreadful. Um, like someone should have thought about that. I, there's no good time to announce that, but they probably knew about it a few months ago or, or wait until the end of the season. Probably not the morning after you, you know, you've all but confirmed relegation. And, and that might not have been led by them, but I, I think they're a part to that. Um, but also the other thing that really worries me as well, the last time we did a pre-season tour was when we went to the States and we yeah. started horrifically. Um, and it's not just one game. I think it's two or three games. So we're going to Thailand. I mean, our players behave brilliantly in Thailand. as well. Right. I'm sure there are absolutely no distractions for them. And, and the other thing, again, 
like I really, really hope there's a plan for this somewhere. But the amount of change that is going to need to happen at the football club is enormous. And we don't seem to be able to do any business quickly. And the the two months or whatever it is, the six weeks, because we lose a week with the championship as well, which is another thing the club won't account for. There is so much work to be done. And then they're going off to Thailand terrifies me again because I've got so much mental scoring from the last summer. And and we we can't, you know, like the club can't let this summer slip. We've got two seasons once we go down with the parachute payments. Then our revenue goes even smaller. Your best chance is going up in the first two seasons. They've got to be spot on. And, and it's not a great start, let's put it that way. No, it's not. Um, right, shall we change kind of pace and um, feel to the podcast and have a game of who are you? Because we've got Owen to deal with us as well. Jordan has, by the way, left to, to go back to that game. But should we do that? Yeah, let's play. Let's do it. I just need to find the music. Do you want me to do it? Because I'm now back on the laptop, Jack. I yes, can do it. yes, please, mate, because <laughs> I can't find it. Right, here we go. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Who are you? You. No, not me, you. Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you? Wait a minute. Who are you? Yeah, now it's having some connection issues earlier on but um we're back up and running not sure why not sure how but don't ask questions it's working owen um long time listener uh first time appearance on on who are you how do you tend to do at these mate um i think over the a very mixed bag if i'm honest sometimes it's like yes and then other times mm. i'm going i, I ain't got I'm, i ain't got a foggiest so um <laughs> yeah. hopefully i don't embarrass myself is is the, just you- the hope you are a bit younger than us, though, Owen, aren't you? You're, you're the other side of 30, so... Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 26, so... Extenuating yeah, yeah. circumstances, right. though. Yeah, no, it is It is definitely for sure. Um, well, I'm Quizmaster today, and I'm, I'm intrigued by this one because I'm not sure if it's really easy or, or really hard, but luckily, Owen, it is an era where you should... You, you should be okay. I haven't gone too far back. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Initially, the first few clues, I'm not going to give too much away because I've, I've, I've got a feeling that it might be a little bit easier than, than some weeks. But, you know, why not? It can't be really tough every week, can it? Um, so, as always, we're going with the age, first of all. Um, I was born on the 16th of December, 1981, which makes me 41 years old. Okay. Now, interestingly, this was a player blighted with injury. And the last time he played in kind of top level English football was back in 2009. So if you you do the math. um, Lee Morris. It's not Lee Morris. Matt Jones. It's not Matt Jones. So to, to then kind of help you out a little bit. Um, I played for Leicester City between the years of 2004 and 2007. And I played a fair amount, um, 78 times. Steve, oh, no, no. Is that too late for Jordan Stewart? It's not Jordan Stewart. Although, next clue. I'm Matt Piper. Williams. Matt Piper. 
No, but oh. Rick has got it. Gareth Williams. Come on. <laughs> wow. He's so good. He did have beautiful hair. Um, some of the other clues for, for Gareth Williams, because I, of course, wanted to ignore and avoid the Nottingham Forest link there. But he, he, I remember at the time him signing on a free transfer. Well, the contract had expired, but we ended up having to pay quite a lot of money through the tribunal, yeah. which was like nearly a, nearly a million quid. Um, and I remember at the time Forest wanted about four million pounds for him, which is why it went to the tribunal. You know, it was a, a really kind of highly rated midfielder, wasn't he? Never really hit the, the heights. Did have lots of injury problems, but yeah, had, had wonderful hair. Was a rangy midfielder. Yeah, Watford went to Watford. Yeah. Played played three He's... times, mate, and then and then as good as retired. So he he used He'd to slot live... right in. Yeah, in the current midfield, wouldn't he? Couldn't press. Yeah, very lackadaisical. He was. I thought he was a good player. I liked yeah, he was, him. but, but he, he again, wouldn't fancy it, during, it, would he? He, he, he wouldn't fancy it. During that era, he replaced during that era, wasn't it? Where, where. Yeah, it was it was very very difficult for him, and as I said, you know, coming from Forest as well, in in some ways, you're starting on the back foot, aren't you? You're going to have to be really really good really quickly to win people over, and he, he never quite really managed it, did he? No, no, no. Odd one so, again, then. Once again, Rick wins. Um, other clues were game. that his middle name is Glyn, and the reason I thought that was interesting was a because I like middle names, and we do this lots in the in the group chat. Um, but he's got that's, that's a Welsh middle name. He played for Scotland, didn't he? So I was trying to try throw you by giving me. He was actually Scottish as well. He wasn't one of those yeah. championship players with a. Yeah, he was born Glasgow. Yeah, but with a, the middle name of Glyn. Um, but yeah, congratulations, Rick. You are the winner once again. Um, no real surprise there. Um, can I so, just ask Rick what his favourite still... middle name is? Before, before, <laughs> yes, of course, you can. <laughs> yeah, well, I mentioned this, didn't I? And he listens to the podcast. It's my one of my good friends who's a big Blackpool fan. His middle name is Redvers. Redvers, Simon Redvers Muggleton. What a name! What a man! That's a strong name, isn't it? Redvers it is. Muggleton. <laughs> Have you got a favorite middle name, Owen? Owen, what's your middle name? Because you, you only got a double barreled surname. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this used to be a good one. This used to be a thing, didn't it? Sat here quietly, <laughs> hoping this one get brought up. Mine are ridiculous. I mean, if you if you see my first name before, it's very very clear that my mom was still on gas and air when she named me. Um, <laughs> so uh, I actually I actually have two middle names. So you've got f- five names. Yeah. Yeah. Come on then. What? Come um, on. Five five names for a lad from Shelford. It just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, so my my middle names are Henley, Owen, Henley, Patrick, Palmer, Owen, Henley, Patrick, Palmer, Atkin. Yeah, strong back five. That isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah isn't it? Keep us up if you were playing across the back five. Like a Mike Bassett eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, not looking forward to that being put out all over Twitter, if I'm honest, but there you go. Yeah, you, I, you, you didn't want to share that at all, did you? Say, say again, Jack. That, that used to get referenced, didn't it, a while back? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tom Meehan found out one of my middle names was uh, Patrick um, and thought it was funny because of Patrick Owen or something like that. And then decided he was going to call me 
going to come with Patrick from from there on in, and still does to this day. Um, he texted me the other day and referred to me as Patrick. So there we go. Um, one of the luxuries Owen, of, of having you on on the podcast um, is because you know we we we're kind of regularly on on your and over on BBC Radio Leicester, and we've we've known each other now for for quite a while. And it's it's nice, isn't it, to to look back at the at the better times. And a time, Owen, that, that is regularly discussed on this podcast is the Eindhoven trip. Um, and it, <laughs> so it was it was a good one, wasn't it? And um, it, yeah. I, 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 we regularly talk about it. And there's many memories of myself and, and Jordan who were out there at the time with, with you, Pipes and, and Jack. Uh, I can't remember the names of the, the bars. And also, I remember one of the most surreal moments in my life when we're in the, the, the square in Eindhoven before the game, where it was myself you and, and Pussy Man Dan just in the square having a chat. <laughs> One of the most surreal experiences of my life. But I, I just feels like a nice opportunity to, to talk about some happier times. Yeah. No, that, that Eindhoven trip was one of my one of my favourites from from last season. Um and yeah, it was you know what that, that square was amazing. Um you I was seeing people in there that I've not seen for years. I was seeing regular faces. Like you I saw you speaking with speaking with Pussy Man Dan as well, you know. <laughs> it was a bit it was a weird concoction of people, but it works. And then yeah. and then just throw top into it as well. I mean, when he walked through and came in and that that, that for me was a, a stroke of genius top coming down there. And I think it really got the fans on side and just gave everyone a bit of a lift, and yeah, I mean, the, the game was amazing, uh, and Ricardo's goal will will stick with me forever. Um, but the the bumping into you in a in a misty dark bar was up there with one of the best experiences of my life. I thought, oh my god, Jake Watson's going to come and chat me up here. This is amazing. <laughs> well, look, mate, if, you, if you're playing. Your cards right. We 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 could do this all over again in, in places like Plymouth and in Ipswich and Rotherham next season. How, how does that sound? Because it's going to be no, but no. In all seriousness, it's you know for for you then coming into the job that you've been doing for a while now. It's been Premier League, um, you know, European football. You know, it's it's been the good times, hasn't it? You've been so lucky. Now we're going to head mm. into an era where you know, not even being negative here, it's just going to be different. You know, all these grounds. And I'm obviously going on the, the the presumption here we are going to be playing championship football, but but is there is there part of you is thinking okay that's going to be quite interesting be a little bit different next season? Um, maybe <laughs> in <not> summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think I'm going maybe, ahead of myself, aren't I? Yeah, maybe in the summer that that may kick in, or uh, as the as the new season gets close. This is if Leicester do get relegated um i think that 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 might kick in because you know whether whether they're in the premier league or the championship or whatever division they're playing in wherever they're going to go you know they they're, they're going to be supported and they're going to be followed by by people like like us um regardless of what of what division you know we're not we're not here for fair weather you know we we've been subjected to this um horrible life and we'll continue to live it um, on the Leicester City roller coaster, so yeah, I mean, th- there are a lot of grounds in there that I think fans, those kind of hardcore, those hardcore fans will enjoy going to. Um, I'm, I'm not particularly. I mean, the, the some of the press boxes in the Premier League are terrible. So God heavens, what what awaits <laughs> in the yeah. Championship? We'll have to wait and see. My 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 knees are often 
numb and my ankles with pins and needles in them in Premier League ones and Pikes is the same. He can barely move. So, no, I think it will be a bit of an adventure, but it, it, it can only be, it will only be enjoyed, obviously, if, if Leicester do well. And, you know, it, if it's if it's like a similar kind of vein to like that League One season when it was doom and gloom and terrible, but actually Leicester went and rebuilt really yeah. well. They were able to to get on a run of games. They they made some great memories in stadiums that ordinarily they would never have been to because they'd never been in that division. Then maybe maybe that there'll be you know it'll be a, a good season. But as you guys have already mentioned earlier on, it, there's a hell of a lot of rebuilding to do. Not just the manager, but or, or maybe you're talking upwards of ten, maybe fifteen, maybe even getting towards twenty players coming through the door and maybe and leaving. It's a big turnover and you have to get it dead on. Otherwise you, you risk you risk falling into obscurity for another for another few years. And it does make me wonder that if if Leicester and ne- I haven't been able to sustain ten years in the Premier League now with the title, the community shield, the FA Cup, the European trips, then when can they? Um Jack, now I know that you, you've kind of got your head around this for, for quite a while now, haven't you, in terms of the, the positives of dropping down into the championship. And, and again, I apologise to people who are still kind of holding on to some kind of hope that, that we do stay up. Um, but, you know, I am at that point now where I actually do think it is for the best that we go down. And I am at that point now where I'm thinking, oh, I'll get to go back to Norwich next season or, you know, go to Ipswich. I haven't been there in ages. You know, I do fancy a trip to, to Plymouth and to Rotherham. I genuinely do. Um and again, I'll probably surprise quite a few people how upbeat I am being right now. But I do want this season to be over and I do want us to start all over again. And I am now thinking about the positives of, of Championship football. And as Owen alludes to, that League One season at the time, I remember sat there when we drew with Stoke and got relegated. And it was one of the worst days of my life. I was sat there all on my own because nobody would go to the game with me and I couldn't, um, I couldn't get there. So I just sat there on my own watching it. But in the end, that League One season was the beginning of something brilliant. And we all enjoyed that. It was a, it was a, it was a new experience, and um, you know who knows if this is going to be the start point for something positive or the beginning of you know a difficult few seasons. It, it feels like it's probably going to go you know one of of either way there. But but where are you at with it now? Are you a similar place to me? Um, I I feel like I've been there a while, mate. It it's Leicester City. It won't be boring. Um, mm. I mean, call me a simpleton, but football for me is about moments. It's about celebrating an away win in the last minute. It's about, you know, seeing your team score, you know, 30-yard screamers or whatever. And you can still do those things in the championship. We've had an unbelievable run. And the last seven years have... And I don't don't want to get too sentimental and go, we've had the last seven years, so we've got to accept what we've got. But it is through thick and thin and... You know, I, I, funny enough, I remembered our away record and our away record last year was absolutely bang average. So uh, the number of games I've seen as win away from home are, are, are few and far between. And actually the thought of going down to the championship, going to some tin pot grounds and maybe seeing a bag of last minute winner, I'm dead excited about amongst all my anxiety and fear of what, you know, what the summer's got to hold. So I mean, I've probably been there since about March, um, which will be irritating for a lot of people. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's still football at the end of the day. We might see our team win a few more games and, you know, there might be a few more things to to smile about. It's not going to be the Premier League. It's not going to be the glitz and glamour in terms of that. But it's still Leicester. The shirt's still blue. 
it will be the same faces in the crowd. Um, and mm. that's that's enough for me. Yeah, and I, I do keep saying that to people that you know, the league in which you play in is fluid. You can go up, you can go down. Football doesn't end at the end of this season. If you get relegated in a bad season, you've got an opportunity next season to rectify it. The things that never go away are things like the cups, you know, that we've won and, and some of the trips that we've had in Europe. Those things never go away, and we have been incredibly fortunate. Um, that's where I'm at. I mean, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a terrible season. Um, and and one that looks like it's probably going to be going to be over soon. But I, I love the kind of romantic, poetic way that Jack kind of summed that up there. As you know, the shirt will still be blue, and it was still going to be the same, the same fans, and it will be you know the best training ground in the championship. And and actually, one thing, one thing that I mean, it, it is terrible, and there, there is going to be a, a massive rebuild job in the summer, and, and it's. Yeah, it, it is concerning times when you consider the finances. And we had Kieran Maguire on the podcast the other week, and he was talking about they they're going to lose up to if they do go down two thirds of their income. And you know they've got bank they got bank loans against Premier League TV money. It's all very scary, but but actually, um, the League One relegation allowed the club to push the reset button and and look at who needed to leave and who needed to come in. And perhaps that is what this this club needs at the moment. And it, it and perhaps it does need that that reset button changed and, and pushed. So that this group of players that have been so successful are able to are able to move on and are able to to go and apply their trade elsewhere and you can bring in a a new breed of players. And I think, you know what, the, 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 the last 10 years have been absolutely unprecedented for Leicester. No one would expected them to be there. And the club did probably didn't expect themselves to be there. And they will have learned a lot of lessons along the way. And it's really important that they, that amongst all this chaos and worry and anxiety, that they learn the lessons of, of what's happened this season and, and what has led to this so that if and when Leicester City, if and when they do get relegated, get promoted back to the Premier League, then um, then they, they can build on this. And I think I don't think Kuntop's going to be going anywhere soon, and and he's the guy at the top. So hopefully, you know, they they learn their lessons and uh, and, and keep them in place for next time. Right, I'm I'm back again. I'm, I think you've got double Jake on the on the YouTube channel at the moment. Having <laughs> a nightmare. Um, I'm not sure how much you heard of the last five minutes from me waffling on but jack is there anything you want to add mate before we finish up no i'm not sure i can <laughs> I, i'm not sure i can add to that but um but yeah it's uh yeah it's 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 been uh been good spending time with you i feel like i've got last uh last night out of my system although i was only there for 45 so uh good seeing you all <laughs> and uh, that is where we'll leave it um owen henry patrick palmer atkin um you're a top bloke um we've done a wonderful job this year um and we really do appreciate you, you coming on and, and giving up your evening because we know we've kept you a, a long long time um and yeah mate it's it's massively appreciated it generally is no thank you very much for having me and uh and uh I, I have to say like well done lads this season i mean the 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 big strong leicester boys has been a, a very good antidote for me as someone who does their own podcast and can't listen to it without cringing um you know it's being able to listen to something else and and being able to to hear what you guys are thinking has been it's been incredible to listen to so i think 
brilliant and it's 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 great to see all this despite the mire of a season that Leicester have found themselves in it's great to see lots of good content coming out so well in lads and am I a big strong Leicester boy now as well that's why that's what I was going to ask uh, would, would you like to be one of us do you want to be associated <laughs> can I put it in my Twitter bio I, I don't know if I qualify yet <laughs> <laughs> and we, we still haven't had a swear word out of you either, Owen. Can we have one big, you know, fuck before you? <laughs> Sorry, what? Oh yeah, just, I just realised what that sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> Owen, would you like to swear? It's yeah. like Eindhoven all over again, it, isn't it? Right, <laughs> for that. Right, let's wrap it up, shall we? So, um, Newcastle up next. Great, can't wait for that. So, we'll do the podcast again. Uh, same time next week, so we'll record on Tuesday night. It'll be in your ears, ready to listen to on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, playing out this podcast. And um, once again, whether it was accidental or on purpose or just really quite um, scarily fitting, this is the Cardigans losing my favourite game. Thank you once again for listening to the Big Strong Leicester Boys. Network.